What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week, commuting our kids to and from school, finding time to spend with our family, trying to figure out all of our work obligations. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hello and welcome back to the 10,000 Podcast. We want to bring God into your 10,000 minutes each and every week. We want to thank you so much for listening and sharing this with your friends and helping um, you think through um, applying your faith, bringing God into your 10,000 minutes each and every week. And we'd love that this podcast is a part of your walk with Jesus. We want to thank you so much for listening. If you never subscribed, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It really does make a difference as more people can find this podcast and help bring God into their 10,000 as well. My name is Sawyer Trapp, and I'm the Associate Pastor of Arise Church Denver, and I'm here, as always, with our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. Hey, everybody. I'm glad that you're listening today. Um, as we teased in last week's episode, yeah. we are going to address one of the questions that we received from our podcast that we talked about Ukraine mm-hmm. and the war going on there with Russia, yeah. which um, there's, you know... So maybe just read the question if you could do that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So the question was, um, if there can be another podcast episode dealing with Christians fighting a war. Hmm. Specifically, um, the question writes, in a case of Ukraine's war where all males between 18 and 60 are mandated to participate by their government. Yep. And so I, I think what the question is getting at is like, can Christians fight in a war? Yeah. If you are a Christian and you are mandated by your government, mm-hmm. if you're drafted, yep. um, which can happen in the United States as well, hasn't happened in a really long time, but can happen. Yeah. And um, if you are mandated to fight in the war, what should be our response to that? Should we seek a religious exemption? Should we fight the war? How should we go about that as followers of Jesus? And I think this is important because Jesus told us to love our enemies, mm-hmm. to pray, yeah, for, to those pray for those who persecute you, to turn the other cheek. To go the extra mile, which are very seemingly, cloak, yeah. at first glance, pacifistic, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and so it's, there are Christians, right, that say that means I cannot fight. I cannot go to war. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there was a lot of people um, who during the Vietnam War when the last draft happened in the United States that sought out religious exemption because of their faith, because of their strong commitments to pacifism. Yep. And so I, I just want to say that up front. There are certain Christian Christian t- traditions that mm-hmm. hold to that view. So whenever the government mandates to do something, <laughs> as we got some questions about a vaccine last year, yeah, exactly. you cannot make up your religious conviction out of thin air. Yes. In our country, like, yes, you can have your own individual conviction. Mm-hmm. But when you make a conviction because you're being forced to some, do something you don't want to do, I, I don't know. I'm not okay with that. Yeah. 
if you had that conviction prior to that, mm-hmm. that's good. Some people figured out that they had a conviction during that time. Okay, so so maybe I shouldn't be so harsh on people that discover like, oh, I realized it wasn't until you know the rubber meets the road that you realize that you do have a conviction about that. But some people like all of a sudden like make up this religious exemption, mm-hmm. and um, the point is like our government recognizes people that have a tradition that have that exemption. Yep. There are Christian traditions that are pacifist. Yeah, if you're curious, like Anabaptists would be a great example. Quakers, yep. Seventh-day Adventists, by and large, would be pacifists. Right. And so not all Christian not all. traditions. Nope. In fact, only a, a small handful, but yeah. some of them are having a conviction of mm-hmm. pacifism. And I, I think one of the great stories of, of that would be uh, the recent movie Hacksaw Ridge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was a 2016 movie based on a book, but really based on real events about a man named Desmond Doss who was conscripted. He was drafted during World War II, but because he was a Seventh-day Adventist, he felt he could not carry a weapon or a firearm, so he actually was a medic, and he was the first conscientious objector. Mm -hmm. So he still went into the military. He still served. He became a medic because he wouldn't have to carry a weapon, but he actually was awarded the Medal of Honor because he was able to serve on the battlefield as a medic saving many people's lives. It's yeah. a pretty incredible story. So if you're drafted, you can't just use that as an excuse <laughs> to not go into the military, right? Okay, yeah. this is not running away to Canada or... Yeah, burning your draft card. Right, or yeah. Stuff. yeah. <laughs> swallowing cotton balls or whatever, so you look like you have pneumonia. Yeah. Um, so that's a different thing because as a Christian, you can say that is in your tradition, I'm a pacifist, this is my conviction, However, I'm drafted. I still have to serve. Yep. So we're saying that that is a legitimate option, right? Absolutely. For believers. Yep. But is it a biblical option, Sawyer? I would say it is a biblical option, but I think the, once again, many times, the as we look at the biblical narrative, as we looked at the scope mm-hmm. of scripture, yeah. um, there's not one clear answer. Okay. And it was kind of what we teased last week. Yes. So the, the passage that we read last week, um, which is the end of Jesus speaking to his disciples there at the Lord's Supper, he's telling his disciples to go out to be prepared and to even buy a sword, to yeah, sell he, their cloak, to buy a sword. He tells them to buy a weapon. Yeah. And then the disciples say, oh, actually, they already have weapons. Yeah, right? they're like, oh, we already have some. They already have some. They have, hey, hey, see, Jesus, we got two swords. And then Jesus interestingly responds, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus, we may, maybe Jesus, at least on the surface, you don't want to be stockpiling weapons. Maybe it could be one. <laughs> could be one way to read it. We're going to dive into that a little bit more. But interestingly enough, a little bit later on, Jesus is praying on the Mount of Olives. Um, Judas has gone to betray and, and appears to Jesus praying there on the Mount of Olives. Um, this is, if you want to follow along, this is Luke twenty-two, like starting in verse forty-seven. So while he's still speaking to the crowd, um, a crowd came up, and a man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. So he approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And then when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? They're like, hey, we just talked about the swords. We got two of them. We got two. (laughs) And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. And Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. So, Mm -hmm. Jesus tells them to get swords, to have swords, to be prepared. They have two swords. Jesus said, that's enough. And then immediately after, this is maybe like an hour or two after. Yeah. 
they're like, hey, we got these we swords. We got the swords. You told us you to get them. You are being attacked. You are being betrayed. You're going to be arrested. We're going to act. We're going to yeah. use these swords. Yep. And Jesus instantly, after cutting off, after um, Peter, it says in the other gospel, right. cuts off, and Luke doesn't have that detail, but no. strucks off the servant of the high priest. Jesus says no more of this mm-hmm. and heals the man's yeah. ear. Right. And so I think the question we have to ask ourselves, as we talked about last week, is this situation descriptive of what happened? Jesus says, have a sword, be ready. In this instance, Jesus is saying, hey, this isn't what is supposed to happen. I need to go through with this. He was just talking about him fulfilling scripture, fulfilling prophecy. Jesus sees what is happening, knows that he's going to be portrayed, and that this is what God is calling him to do. Yeah. And so is this descriptive just saying, hey, in this instance, don't use that sword? Or is it normative? Is it saying, hey, in all instances, have a sword, but don't use it? Yeah, descriptive or <laughs> prescriptive. We talked about it last yeah. week. Descriptive or prescriptive. It, because you could also flip-flop it. And I have seen people do this. Mm-hmm. Jesus told his disciples to go out and buy weapons. So therefore, having a concealed carry permit is biblical. Mm-hmm. That is a descriptive thing. Even a prescriptive thing. I've heard... Actually, I, w- I would say it would be open carry. How are, you, carry. <laughs> how are you supposed to conceal carry a sword? I guess maybe there in your you cloak. I so don't know. To have a weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think just in some states, oh, yeah, in order to have a weapon in public, it has to it be has concealed. To be concealed, yes. But I've heard Christians be like, yeah, um, everybody should have a weapon, mm-hmm. a firearm, or multiple firearms, or stockpile far- firearms, or whatever. Just two. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, just two. It's <laughs> <laughs> like what I was saying. You don't need the bunker with yeah. AK-47s. You just need two. Just two. Two AK-47s. Take your favorites. Yeah. <laughs> um... But is either one of those passages prescriptive? What do you think? I would say no. Okay. I think as we look in these specific contexts that Jesus is speaking, as he says, written, numbered with the transgressors, this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, it was written about me. It's reaching is fulfillment. Yeah. I think what Jesus is talking about is, is to his disciples right there. Yes, it does have this larger idea of being prepared, being equipped. Yeah. Um, but I think in this instance of Jesus saying, hey, no more of this, don't act out right. in violence, don't use your weapon, yeah. is really specific to this passage sure. because Jesus, he, he's praying right before this, yeah. if you're willing, take this cup, but not my will, but yours be done. Sure. And then he, he's had that answer in prayer and he said, okay, this is going to happen. Yeah. And this needs to happen and it's not going to happen if we're cutting off people's ears. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a really fascinating thing here. So you and I would agree that this probably isn't prescriptive here. I would say so, yeah. But I would argue Mm -hmm. that at least it gives a biblical example, New Testament, Jesus following. So Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, obviously, there's a lot of examples of people using weapons. (laughs) Yes. In battle and fighting and war and everything. But a New Testament example that, yes, having a weapon is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. That's what I would argue. Mm-hmm. So to, for people to say, you cannot have a weapon at all anytime ever, I'm like, well, actually, I don't know if I could go that far. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I, you know, I could come up with, theoretically, maybe Jesus wanted them to have the sword so that they had a little bit of defense, so that the disciples would not be arrested or killed in that instance, but yeah. just Jesus. Like, perhaps he was kind of, like, foreseeing this. Like, I want to make sure the j- disciples can live, outlive me, so that they can, you know, <laughs> testify to the nations and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. Perhaps he had that in mind, so there's a defensive nature of it. So it does seem that there is at least some concept of it might be okay to have a defensive weapon. Yes. So, with all that in mind, though, yes. 
I think we should dive into this specific question because mm-hmm. I think there's a difference between owning a weapon, yeah. having a defensive weapon, mm-hmm. even having like, you know, guns for hunting or whatever than True. it is in a wartime context. Yes. And that was the original question. Yes. So we do need to get to Yes. But I think all <laughs> of that question from think, Ramon. Yes. All of that definitely frames and should um, get, make an impact on our thoughts about even in a wartime setting. Yeah. Because when Peter goes on the offensive and cuts off Malchus's ear, mm-hmm. and they're like ready to have a revolution, it seems oh, yeah. like. Yeah. Jesus is like, nope, heals, put it away. Mm-hmm. That, in fact, he right after that says to them, he's like, am I leading a rebellion? No. <laughs> Why did you come with swords and clubs here? That's right. Like, you could have arrested me at any time. You can arrest me right now. And he goes with them. Yeah. So what I wanted to jump into, before we get maybe into a specific instance, um, something that came up while I was thinking through an answer to this question is an idea of just war theory. Yeah. And and this is an approach that has come across in many different cultures from a Christian perspective, um, came about from Augustine. So St. Augustine yep. um, was talking about answering the same question um, as a guide of whether or not Christians should be in war and whether or not war itself can be justified. Yeah. And he, he came up with six different principles to determine if a war is mm-hmm. just. Yeah. If a war is necessary. Yep. And I just wanted to read those because I think they're a really good framework for thinking through this question. So first is this. A war must be for a just cause. Yeah. Just cause. So that means right off the bat, if we're just going to put this in real terms, going in and taking over the sovereignty of another country for a land grab, maybe for instance. Yeah. Not a just cause. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, the the war must be lawfully declared by a lawful authority. Number three. So that means you can't just, if you have your militia, decide we're going to battle. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The intention behind a war must be good. Um, All other ways of resolving the problem should have been tried first. Mm. Diplomatic means should be tried before war is considered an option. Yep. And interestingly, there must be a reasonable chance of success. Okay. That war in and of itself shouldn't be the end of the game. Yeah. It should be a means to an end. Reasonable end of success. And then finally... The means used must be in proportion to the end that the war seeks to achieve. So if the the war is to remove um, a tyrant from power, you're not going to go out and bomb an entire country. Sure. You're going to seek to remove that person from power and bring about an end to the war. Yeah. Um, I I think that's really interesting. So we've already talked about pacifism, Mm -hmm. which is a stream of Christianity. Mm -hmm. There's a stream of Christianity that's very pacifistic. And they say, biblically, Jesus said, love your enemies. Yeah. And there's also this other stream, which, uh, we, correct me if I'm wrong, is basically the majority of Christians in, in, our, so. in our world would have a more, if they've thought through this at all mm-hmm. philosophically, they would, at least from the roots of Augustine, it's developed more, yeah, I absolutely. think, since then. Yeah. But this this idea that there are certain times where violence and war is better than the alternative. Right. That yes, yes, we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. There are problems. There is sin, yeah. and sometimes, given these justifications, yeah. war might be the best way to bring about an end to those problems, violence, sin. Yes, and so uh, I don't think you can be a Christian and say any violence, any war is okay. I agree. Yeah, um, and that makes it tricky too. If you get drafted for a war that you think 
the war itself is unjust. Yes. Um, and so even if you're saying, yes, war, I'm not a pacifist. I look right. at scripture. I see that the Bible doesn't call us to no violence. The Bible yeah. calls us to maybe instances of, of justified, yeah. justified violence, justified war. But maybe in specific instances, you look and you say, hey, I don't know if I can reconcile the reasons behind this war with mm-hmm. my faith, with what Jesus says. And yep. there might be a situation that even if you're not a pacifist, yeah, you don't agree yeah. with the war. But the other tough thing is if you get drafted, you still might not have a choice mm-hmm. because we are, you know, commanded to submit to our governing authorities yeah, and they actually might know more than you do. Yes. Like they might have much better intelligence than you do about what's actually going on mm-hmm. and they're the ones who have to make the decisions and they're the ones accountable to it. Yeah. So yes, you may get drafted and have to fight in a war that because if you have if you believe like most Christians in in just war theory, mm-hmm. And you get drafted for a war you don't personally agree with. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like you still may have to be obedient to your governing authorities who drafted you. <laughs> right. And it might be a situation where like the, the guy from um, Hacksaw Ridge, you might seek to be a in a non-combatant mm-hmm. position yeah. or a support position. The military now is filled majorly with non-combatant positions. Sure. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, from a tech perspective medics, whether that's support, whether that's logistics, whether that's something else. Yep. Yeah. And I do think for people that kind of struggle with this concept, just war theory is not like just some way to say, oh, yeah, we can have a military, of course, and we can have weapons and fight in war. I think it's the, you know, it's the lesser of two evils. You it's an accommodation. That. It's an accommodation. What we're saying is it's a fallen world. There's evil. And we want to do the greatest good, mm-hmm. which means sometimes bad things. Just like one of my heroes, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, yeah. in World War yeah, II, great example. as an incredible man of God, he wrote a whole book called Ethics, <laughs> brilliant theologian. Yeah. He decided to take part in the plot to kill Hitler. Mm-hmm. He ultimately failed, and it led to his own death. Correct. But he realized that killing Hitler was better than letting Hitler kill Six million Jews, right. or an eleven million people, and taking over sovereign nations, and who knows how much more damage he could have done. And he was saying, "I'm going to do this, even though this is a bad thing. Murder is not good, right. but to kill Hitler is better than the alternative." Correct. And so that's the fallen world we live in. So I, I hope this helps you think through it. If you're a Christian, you can be on either one of those sides: mm-hmm. uh, pacifist, just war. And I think you should take some time to think and pray about it, study the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the one other thing I wanted to say is like that obviously just war theory is on a very broad, on a mm-hmm. very global scale. These are people like a president, like a, a nation leader that is going through these. Where, I mean, the lawful authority to declare war in the United States, right, yep. is Congress. And so Congress would need to work through these decisions. Right. We as <laughs> citizens of a country or even – as, as Ramon's question was specifically, um, people in Ukraine um, yep. need to also think through of how we are going to go about being in a war. Right. And so I think yeah. we look at the way the Bible holds up human life yeah. as sacred, as valuable, yep. mm-hmm. as being an image bearer of God. Yeah. And so only committing violence against people who are being violent. Yeah. Seeking to limit or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> not it's, at it's all yeah. non-combatants innocence yep protecting the innocent people because the bible holds up human life as so valuable uh, wow so that's great I'm, I'm glad you said that 
we have some people listening that are in the military. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you may have an opportunity to influence mm-hmm. one way or the other, you know, different military objectives, different tactics. Yeah. With the technologies that are being yeah. um, created and changed Every day, I've read a, this phenomenal article about how a war is being changed right now because of what's going on in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Like, it was some people that had fought in Afghanistan and Iraq, and they were like, this is a completely different battle yeah. than what we've seen um, because of some of the technology that's used, like the anti-tank missiles and anti-ship missiles yeah. that are being used. Like, crazy stuff that's happening. And with drones, like, not unmanned, unmanned weapons. Like, yeah, unmanned To weapons. think about the weapons, like... The decision that Truman was having to make, whether to <laughs> drop an atomic bomb on two entire cities in Japan, right. which most people actually agree saved life, it which is, is yeah. crazy to think, but a, a land invasion of Japan would have been a brutal war. It would have right. cost even more lives than were, than were lost in those two cities. But that was like a crazy situation. But then to think like what happened to Osama bin Laden, where you can go in with SEAL Team 6 and kill one person. Right. So if you're in a position to influence policy or decisions or tactics, do it yeah, for what's absolutely. good. And so I would recommend to think and pray about this if you are in those positions. Um, and if you are in the military, there are wonderful Christian chaplains who have yes. worked through these issues right. and, and can help you and can yep. counsel you and support you. We would love to do that as well. Yeah, so. you, you can be on the front line of some of these ethical decisions. Yeah. There's a really helpful book that's a good starter on this subject. It's not going to be an in-depth on this subject, but it might give you a good place to start. Mm -hmm. would be Scott Ray's book. I don't know if you read it, Moral Choices. Oh, yes, very good. Um, And it has a chapter on the morality of war. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole bunch of ethical things. So you can get this book and learn all sorts of stuff about Christian ethics. But his chapter on the morality of war is very good and short. So if you are curious about this subject more, go check out that book. We'll... Put it in the. Yeah, I'll put it down in the show notes. In the show notes, um, moral choices by Scott Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully this episode was helpful yeah. to answer your question, Ramon. And we love all the questions that we get from you guys. Keep them coming, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. we will would love to answer them on a future podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe, to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at arisedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and in the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.